This is the GPL Podcast from gopherpucklive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now let's start the show with your hosts, Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening. Welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 206. There he is, Viggs. I'm disappointed again, Viggs, and I'm not disappointed in you. I'm a little angry at the team, but we'll leave. I'll try to stay calm for now, but I'm not very happy with the result this weekend. But how was your week? (laughs) It's going okay. We got a full hour ahead to talk about this. It was not the weekend we were expecting. Mm -hmm. I think going into the weekend, we had talked on the podcast this is really an important weekend for the pairwise. You cannot have bad losses if you're going to be on the bubble and expect to get favorable comparisons in the pairwise. And you know what? Maybe they ran into a hot goalie, but Boom a, goes loss, a loss drops you from eight to 12 and it, it's going to be a tough stretch now for the rest of the way. Well, we'll get more into that, but uh, we've got another first time guest again, Viggs. Uh, talked to him in the last couple of years. We got to get you on the podcast. Just hadn't had a chance, but uh, we got Chris Long coming on. I'm pretty excited about it. What do you think? I'm pumped. Big um, hockey fan, Chris Long. He is a big hockey fan. Well, let's bring him in right now. Here he is, Chris Long from KSTP Channel 5. Gents. How are you doing, Chris? I'm excited. Episode 206, you said that's my lucky number. <laughs> That's well, war might hockey actually. We, we, we've had some post game beverages at a couple of undisclosed locations, you know, Correct. before, and we like, hey, we got to get you on the podcast, got to get you in the podcast. And then we then COVID came, and I hadn't seen you at the bar in a while. <laughs> I haven't seen anybody at a bar in a while. <laughs> it's pretty well, but but you know, I'm like, okay, Viggs, I got to ask, well, he'll come on, and and just thanks for coming on. Happy to. No, love it. Always love when I run into you guys. I got to see Viggs with a little show prep at Bob Motzko's availability the other day. So yeah. ready to roll. And uh, you haven't been covering the, the Gophers as much recently. Obviously, Vikings take precedence. And you know, Motzko loves to say, actually, Lucia used to do the same thing. You know when the Viking season ends because all of a sudden the media is there. Don would make a big deal out of it. And the, the problem <laughs> always was, so the problem with Don was the availabilities were on Wednesday. That was always, that is always the big Vikings day. That's when everybody's down there. We get the head coach, we get a couple coordinators. We usually get the quarterback. So that's, if you're only going to be a Vikings one day, that's the day to be there. Now we could sometimes race from then winter park back to campus and make time. Well, now it's Tuesdays, which is better overall. But my issue is I work on Sundays for Vikings games. So I'm off Mondays and Tuesdays, which takes me out of availability. So this was actually the second time I've been able to be in, at the availability. I, I watch them from home. I mean, I catch up with them sometimes when they're posting mm-hmm. after the fact. So I'm there in spirit, but yeah, this was only the second time I've been there all year. But so I have been watching what's it's good. You're catching me now. Cause I sort of paid more attention to the Alaska series than I have anyone prior this season. Yeah. Hockey season for me begins the moment the Vikings are eliminated. I was, at, I was at the wild practice this morning <laughs> for the first time in a while. I was at uh, Moscow yesterday for the first time in a while. So as soon as the Vikings bow out, I, I, then my hockey season begins. And, and that's kind of the way it is for a, a lot of media leagues. I mean, we, we start to see more Star Tribune people at, at the games, and uh, things just kind of perk up. And 
this time, uh, it's not a good time after a kind of, well, I'll just say it, it was a crappy result to the weekend. Great. Okay. Game, game one, game two, just not acceptable. I'm, 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 I'm ticked off. Yeah. I'm not going to say that this weekend was a chance for Minnesota hockey to shine on the big stage. <laughs> As sometimes, you know, that would happen with go for football. They, they develop this big stretch and they get in a prime time position where all the eyes are on them. And then they, you know, stub their toe or something like that. You know, I think this has been kind of the, the back bubbling story for go for hockey for the last couple of years where a team just doesn't have the consistency to mm. be a top team in the country. Like a lot of people who follow go for hockey expect them to be. And when they're not, at that level, a lot of people just kind of tune out. So it's kind of a frustrating thing for people who, who do spend a lot of time around this program to have a weekend like this, because, you know, these issues didn't come out of nowhere. Nope. These are the issues that have been bubbling for a long time with them. And and could you say it even goes back even further, Biggs, you know, I, and Tim Hap, he was commenting before we started here. I would just love to have a normal year for once he says, and really since Holy Cross, When's the last time we had a normal year? I mean, that was kind of the beginning of what was that type of result. We're getting a lot more. What? Maybe this is the new normal. <laughs> Parody. Well, Parody. I was going to say, I think that's part of it. Just in my time since I've been exposed to college hockey, when I moved to Minnesota in 1997, and the amount of parity now compared to then, I mean, oh, yeah. I, co- I covered some pretty brutal Minnesota Duluth teams back then. And if you just told me where they were now, I'd have called you crazy. Throw in St. Cloud, throw out the fact that, you know, Ohio State has gone from being basically nothing to being very good. Penn State's doing their thing, and that's just the Big Ten. So I, you don't want to assign it away to parity. You can't, you know, you can't lose to Alaska at home, you, period. You yeah, can't. And- and I'm kind of with you there, Chris. Uh, you can't. I mean, the damage it does on the pairwise. You look at the game and the score, and we'll talk about it, but what it does to the pairwise is crippling. And that's what Viggs, that's what you've been talking about for a long time. Um, I know you're not a fan of how a bad loss affects you a lot more than a good win. I mean, if you look at it, Minnesota losing to Alaska Fairlanks, that's a bad loss. But how much did did Alaska gain, really, by beating Minnesota? Did they go up a ton? You know, I wasn't really focused on Alaska because I no, feel I, like I they, totally were, they were, like, in the 30s. I could go back and look at my tweet and figure it out. Because, but like, previously. But, like, if you look at the other thing, like, Ohio State beats Notre Dame. That did nothing to their pairwise. I was talking to our good friend at Ohio from Ohio State, Paul Capanigri, and he said, what the heck is going on with this pairwise? Minnesota loses Alaska. They go 8-12. to 12. Ohio State beats Notre Dame, and they don't do anything. They stay the same. What the heck? And and that's definitely what pairwise is. Is like if you beat a decent team, good job. That's what you have to do. But if you lose a bad team, uh, good luck. You're going to drop. It's frustrating. You know, Chris, you mentioned Duluth there up in Duluth. Um, you're a Washington D.C. kid growing up, weren't you? The Metro. Yeah, <laughs> the Metro. Yes. We're Not the only one. I- it's not the only one I, I love the here, but it's the one I love the Metro. Um, yep, I grew up outside of DC. How, how were you exposed to hockey? Was it the Capitals for you? Yes. They finally started to get good for the first time in their existence when I was about 10 years old. And I just was hooked. I, I loved it. It was amazing as there were only probably maybe 10 to 12 games on TV each year. 
Um, right. So combination of things, whenever it was on, I would be watching and I would be into it and I'd be waiting for it all day when I got home from school, but we went to a lot of games, <laughs> tickets in 81 and 82, 83 were not that hard to get. And then they got good and sort of the town, they sort of went to the next level. And obviously they're in a completely different stratosphere now yeah. where, um, you know, youth hockey has taken off as a result of what they've done. Um, yeah, I just, the, the first, well, I'll spare you the long story. The, the moment I fell in love with hockey was a miracle on ice. I'm 48 yeah. years old. Anybody my age that's a hockey fan will probably point mm -hmm. to that. So that sort of led me to the Capitals, and then I went from there. Well, that makes sense. And then through your TV career, you like you mentioned, you get to Duluth, and all of a sudden, is that where you kind of learned, what's this college hockey thing? What's this high school hockey thing? Yeah. Well, yeah, because growing up in D.C., I played club. There were no high school teams. We tra traveled up and down the East Coast my entire high school playing games. All of D.C., there were probably only, at the level I played, probably only four teams and three or four rinks. Um, and then I played club in college. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until I – I knew college hockey was out there. Like, I remember my one buddy that had cable when I was 15 uh, went and watched the Minnesota-Harvard game because um, mm -hmm. it was like his neighborhood, for some reason, was the only one that had cable. So we would go to his house and – and watch that one and i'd go over to his house to watch you know stanley cup playoffs um pretty much anything but yeah i i knew of college hockey i knew who the best 10 players were any given year but no i couldn't have found st cloud duluth or uh you know <laughs> uh, you know anybody anything west of pittsburgh mm -hmm. you know you name a college hockey team i wouldn't know where then you get to Minnesota, you're exposed to it. It drags you in a little bit. It is quite a different, I would say uh, the college hockey fan, we're, we're a little bit different. Uh, oh, obviously, okay. I mean, <laughs> hey, there's a lot of animosity out there, but there's also that uh, collection of, we're all kind of college hockey fans together as well. I said, that's the, kind of the only difference there is maybe some, I mean, obviously there's a lot of anim animosity, but I know Vigo and I can count many many fans of other schools that we're good friends with that we just love the sport of college hockey and everybody and, just kind of finds a way other than north dakotans who just want to be on their own but everybody else gets along you see guys chris gets it doesn't he? <laughs> the <laughs> thing is opposed to it <laughs> well being in duluth was a good indoctrination because first of all duluth is an amazing sports town they love their yes. high school sports um, they like that the summer league baseball team that used to have in the, in the Northern league. They used to love that. Um, but UMD hockey was king. It was the number one sport in town. And, and it, it's, I always wondered when a lot of the guys from up North would commit and come down to the Gophers. And I always just, in my head, the only thing I could, of course, the prestige and the history, but they were on TV every weekend, um, even in Duluth and, and the Duluth games weren't that tide has turned a lot. And, Scott Salen's done a pretty good job of closing the borders, so to speak, up there. Mm -hmm. But that, it is the number one, you are the biggest fish in a medium-sized pond up there. And it's it's an unbelievable atmosphere at the games. I mean, every college hockey game is usually a pretty good atmosphere. But the deck, when I was up there in the 90s, um, the teams weren't that good, but just the atmosphere was incredible. And there's something to be said for being at a small town and knowing that you are the, you know, the biggest show in town by miles. Well, it's definitely fun, and uh, Viggs and I have partaken in quite a few road trips here and there, Duluth, St. Cloud, Mankato, Wisconsin, basically the old WCHA, Viggs. Um, but the, yeah, obviously the Minnesota fans, 
getting a little frustrated. We kind of think things are starting to come together with Michigan State. Game one looks decent against the Fairbanks. Game two, uh, I will just you tell me what how was Motsko feeling about it? I mean, was he kind of the hot goalie? Blah blah blah. I mean, is he sensing the frustration? I think there's a strong feeling from the coach that he has a problem with his upperclassmen mm. and specifically the Walker, McLaughlin, Brodzinski line. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't call them out by specific names during He just the says upperclassmen. <laughs> but he says upperclassmen. He said one line was out there for three goals against on Saturday. And, you know, we ran into a hot goalie and we still got two, but we had three glaring mistakes that we cannot have mm-hmm. the issues are our back checking their puck possession. They are gaining energy and working hard and making the game difficult for the opponent. And when you watch your captain, Sammy Walker continually make these mistakes where he is extending his shift, chasing offense. And when it's time to play defense, he does not do it. He does not. And, and he's also gassed and he's gassed because he's at the end of the shift. But here's the flip thing. When he's at the end of a shift and there's an offensive chance, you see the legs churn. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the coach has a really hard time seeing in film. Cause he, he sees it. He sees it when they have a chance late in a the shift, they've got the legs, but if there's a turnover, they don't have any legs to go back and play defense and they don't have the legs to stop in front of the goal and play defense and get the puck the other way. And he sees those guys looping through the defensive zone on the breakout. And it, you know, it, it stretches out the team so much that then you have a team that just feasts on that and counterattacks the other way. And it's got to be really frustrating for him to have that happen because he's given Walker and McLaughlin a lot of rope this year yes, yes. and they are not rewarding him for it. Now, now, Chris, you know, Viggs and I've been talking about this all season and even Moscow's talked about it. Um, a lot of times this team is just not playing the basics of hockey. And, and, and even Viggs kind of touched on it. there, just doing the simple things, you know, you end your shift, don't get yourself into trouble, get off the ice. Um, and he's, like you said, he's been calling out these older players. I mean, I mean, You've played hockey. You know a lot of these basics, too, and you, you've probably been caught out many times. Oh, well, I didn't have <laughs> let me Let me ask you this in the form of a question, and this was certainly never okay. a problem the way I played. When you have six guys, like those front two lines, that are so explosive offensively, I mean, that second line, I mean, McLaughlin's goal was fantastic that he scored. It was. We've seen Sammy Walker um, and Brad Zinsky. Those guys are so quick twitch in the offensive end you guys have seen way more of this team than I have this year. It is the fact that they are so dangerous up front. Does that then cause these deficiencies you're talking about when they're not back checking, they're not getting back where they mortgage that front end push because they know they can cash in there and it just doesn't balance out. But, but Viggs, I would say that we've seen McLaughlin and Walker play the type of hockey that Motsko wants him, them to play. We the the second half of last year, they were on board with Bob Motzko's yes. style. That that run that they made last year, I thought the the light switches turned on, and then all of a sudden against Minnesota State in the playoffs, the light turned off again. And and they 
I think the problem gets to be that they think they have to do it all by themselves every shift and they just chase and chase and chase. And a lot of times the mistakes you see them making are not in the first 20, 30 seconds of their shift. Mm -hmm. It's happening 50 seconds, 60 seconds, 70 seconds as they chase one more play and it puts them in a bad spot or they're on a rush where they think they have to make something happen on the rush. Sometimes you're just better off by extending the game and letting your skills shine through when there's an opportunity rather than forcing it. You know, and, and I often, but it, it's simple though. Like at the internship, you're trying to get that last bit of offense. Dump it in, get off the ice. I, I kind of like put it like if you're a Texas Hold'em player and you're a really good player. Oh, I'm in on get, this one. And you get <laughs> dealt like ace 10. Yeah, ace 10 is a pretty good hand, but if the flop comes and you don't hit your ace and there's maybe, you know, a straight jaw for somebody else or a flush draw for somebody else, get you out. don't just start pushing your chips in and take get, that chance, even though you've got, you know, a relatively decent hand. But, but when you keep doing that, you're going to get busted. You need to wait for when opportunities present yourself. If you see ace 10 and all of a sudden, you know, king jack queen hits and you've got your straight, you push in. And you make the most of your chance. But when you just go in blindly like they do and just believe oh, I'm, I'm a pretty good player, this is going to work out well. It's not. Well, well, geez. Well, well we got Corey here thinking should have benched that line for a period of time or two this year. Too they're late too to good. do that now? They're too good. They're too yeah, good. Yeah, you're right. And that's just they're... it. That's why, that's why, you know, Moscow is probably just in a kind of a pickle in that spot. Here's the thing, though. You look at the wild right now. You watch how Dean Evison is handing Kevin Fiala. He will bench him. The other night, he benched him for the entire period until Fiala figured it out. He's like, you know, I understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to cheer for my teammates. And he went out there, you know, at a TV timeout and said, come on, guys, we can do this. And the coach saw that and gave him a chance and he produced. Sometimes you have to have the stick with these players and it's not going to come with a stern talking to. It's not going to come from kicking the trash can. It's going to be coming from taking away their power play time it's going to be a public benching during a period of a key game or it's going to be not letting them practice but those are the ways you get their attention but to be honest we don't see that and we didn't see it with lucia either he just kind of refused to i don't know publicly shame or do that type of discipline afraid he would lose their superstars uh so I, I think that's why Moscow might be kind of in a pickle because he knows this is Minnesota. He can't really be the same kind of coach maybe he could do at St. Cloud. It's such a drop-off, though, guys. Right now, those top two lines. I mean, who, who do you bring? Here, well, here's the Nelson. thing, Chris. Here's, the, here's the thing, Chris. Right now, this team is a one-line team that's consistent. That's the nine-line, you could throw them out there, and if the other lines that you throw out there – don't give up a goal, you're gonna win games. Yeah. Yeah. And Especially against a team line, like Alaska. And two thirds of that game, that line is gone soon. Well, soon. you say if then you win games. I remind you there's been a goaltending shift. <laughs> that might not be as automatic they, as they didn't was. lose that Alaska game on goaltending. No. I mean, I would no. say I would I wouldn't say close was great, but like Vig said, the same line gave up all three goals. Yeah. Um it's it's as a lot of people, you know, yes, goaltending could bail you out, but it's team defense that wins you games. Don't you think, Biggs? 
I think it does. I think you need to allow your talent to shine. Like I was going through looking at clips. I was going to do it for GPL last week. It's going to come out tomorrow. I've got all the clips picked out now. Nice. But there are plays that Walker makes that are fantastic. There are plays that McLaughlin makes that are fantastic. It's these late in the shift decisions that they make that if they stop doing that, now you've got a top six that is super dangerous to play against. But if they keep doing that, they basically nullify all the positive things they bring to the game. Ryan K. Brodzinski deserves a lot more blame here. If he can't get a puck coming to him for a shot, the dots does nothing. I mean, it's kind of a liability pretty much. What do you think? I mean, for me, I don't think he's the problem with the line. I don't see him making the mistakes late in the okay. shift. I mean, okay. he, 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 what the problem should be is like, if he should just come off at 40 seconds and let somebody else play with that line for the next 40, you know, and just send a message to your line mates to be like, Hey, we're supposed to be off in 40, 50 seconds. <laughs> Let's get I off. Like, I kind of like that. <laughs> well, I mean, that uh, sends a message too. A, a familiar face is back with the team, Mr. Long. A uh, Sam Rossini played four years and all of a sudden he's back out of nowhere. Was any of that mentioned today at, at Motsko's availability? Do either of you, did he say anything? He was yesterday and that popped today, but I saw the email, Viggs, I saw the email pop up in my i clicked it i went what <laughs> fine player just very yeah, I, think, I, 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 I don't know the details of it away a little bit on instagram yes a couple days ago M- mclaughlin said McLaughlin. nice to see you back and so ah. i thought when you see sam rossini back in the locker room especially in the era of covid you know he's probably back on the team and they just needed some depth you know bob didn't talk about it i asked him is there more disruption coming and he says, no, everything's good going into this next series in terms of everybody being healthy and testing negative for COVID. I, I do think Bob maybe learned his lesson with testing all the players uh, that Monday. It's, you know, if people aren't symptomatic, maybe not test because they don't have to. So what is what does Rossini bring? He he brings somebody he, who's comfortable. Does, in the he, locker does room. he bring uh, that uh, that factor of putting Denman back on the bench? I think it's just um, depth. You just need to be able to practice. You know, when you lose guys to the Olympics and you lose guys to COVID and you lose guys to injury, you know, Kester has had some shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) Kester's had some shoulder injuries, you know, so you just got to be safe there. And there's somebody there who's familiar with your programs, familiar with your systems, knows how to practice. He's a guy. What has he been doing? Do we know? He's been working for like an investment company desk job <laughs> so he, he went in the real world I, 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 I know that but it's not like you're in game shape I and mean, that's kind of uh... Chris Long you got any other legibility left maybe we can get you on the team I do but yeah I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to help anything if you just need a guy I'm classic just a guy and I always have been even when I was in top form uh, Viggs do we know anything about Boynton I mean wasn't even dressed last week the whole controversy of bringing in, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name right now. Bartoskevich. Bartoskevich. There, jeez. Um, ended up dressing, was cleared, what, a couple hours before the game Friday, I guess, because the game would have been canceled if they couldn't dress two goalies. It was just a whole debacle. They were lucky he got cleared, I guess, right on time for lineups to be announced. He was on campus Wednesday, you know, mm-hmm. ready to go. 
and uh, just compliance a little extra time to get him clear so he couldn't practice, you know, even though he's here Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Uh, but I don't know. I asked Bob what he wants to tell his goalie room about being prepared and ready and, and giving preparation to the team. And he, he kind of danced around a little bit saying, you know, that's his goalie coach's responsibility. And, you know, they should have their light bulb on and be ready to go because there's minutes there. And he said, you know, there could be another goalie getting a chance. And I don't yeah. know if it's going to be Boynton if he can't practice. Yeah, Chris, this whole Boynton thing has been really strange. He's had some some surgery and some uh, – Yeah, the deviated reasons. septum. Deviated thing. septum. He collapsed at a game last season, league leagues, at uh, remember that. his juniors. Um, this season, you know, he's slowly getting back after some surgery. Now, Viggs, what was he, sick with – not COVID, not, not, not COVID, COVID. Apparently, it, it's it's been really strange with Boynton because he was supposed to be the next guy. Yeah, everything's strange though now. I mean, everything's <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Look yeah. at last week. I mean, last week from Monday to the the final horn Saturday is just sort of where we are, and definitely college sports, pro sports it's at least a little more transparent just because of the nature of it. It's weird, but you know why it's weird. College yeah. sports across the board is weird because we just, sometimes you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And you know what? And the only reason Rossini could come back is the extra year of eligibility leagues. Um, that's, that's the only way they can get him back on the team. I don't know what year anybody is anymore. I had to ask, <laughs> I was doing a story at, at, at Bethel actually during the football team. And I asked the, the, one of the players said, what year are you? He goes, well, he goes, you're asking me the question for eligibility wise. I'm a junior. He said, I'm not a junior, but to answer your question, I'm a junior. Look at the, um, on the volleyball team, Taylor Landfair was the big 10 freshman of the year last year. Barely played this year. We'll be a freshman again next year. Eligibility wise. So she was the big 10 freshman of the year two years ago. And we'll be a freshman. <laughs> You know, I, I, when I, I, it was easy to add Rossini back on, but I actually added him. It just says senior 2X on the roster on the, on Go Park Live. I don't I know. But listed as grad student, I think, on the bio officially, if I saw it, I think that's what it was. Or financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be working with LaFontaine on how to invest that 750000 Mm hmm. Well, for those of you listening live, if you got any more questions, why don't you throw them our way? But uh, first, we need to head on over to our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, Jerry Peters here from First Class Mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 minus 480200. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. 
And of course, we thank Jerry for sponsoring us again. And here we go. There you go. Jared, former Rube himself. Do any of the former Rubes have eligibility left? Biggs, you get eligibility left? I don't think so. I think I used them all up at St. Olaf. This is an original Rubes jersey right there. <laughs> I'll bring that out later. Um, yeah, we're too fat and slow. You know what? I did hear uh, Nate Prosser this week when he was talking about when he broke in the NHL. He said when he was trying to get his role figured out, a lot of teams had meat lines in the NHL. And Chris, I don't know if you know this, but you know, I'm kind of a big guy. <laughs> we called ourselves the meat line because we had three of us across on opening face off a lot of nights for the Rubes. So three guys, my size, all taking the draw. The other team would be like, what are we getting into? See, now the hard part for me is the last time I played competitive, I graduated high school at 160 pounds. I was a little tiny <laughs> 5'11", 160 twig. Uh, I wish I had this body with that speed and, and stamina and ability. I, I would have had a better shot at playing at the next level. But, yeah, I think my game would be very different now than it was uh, 60, 70 pounds ago. Yeah, yeah, well, we were a D-League team, and I was actually a D-League player because I didn't start take, playing hockey until I was an adult. Never played on teams, did anything. Um, I had a blast with it just because, you know, it, it's, it was a beer league team. We just had fun. We had I, we hung four, miss it. We hung four second-place banners. I mean, I, I think that was quite the accomplishment. <laughs> we were so Minnesota. I mean, we were, just, <laughs> we were just embodying everything about Minnesota right there. <laughs> We had a good time. We had a good time. Um, Viggs, there was a lot of frustration this week on Twitter. Uh, you could just look at the the Gopher Hockey Facebook uh, responses, which is always ugly. Um, the fans aren't happy, and, you know. And and there's quite a few negative people that we know that are are just loving it this week because that's kind of what they do, Viggs. But uh, I, I'm actually genuinely concerned about this team. You know, this is supposed to be a team building for the end. And right now they haven't showed me anything that re- relieves that right now. I'm, I'm a little worried about the state of the program for this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of chaos surrounding everybody there. You know, Bob and his family, what they've gone through the last year. Yeah, that's... You know, COVID has been complicated for everyone to navigate through, you know, the the World Juniors being canceled, the Olympics now grabbing college players, you know, LaFontaine going to the Canes. It's just a lot for kids that age to deal with. And I just, I worry about what's going to happen the second half of the year, just because there is so much pressure from social and, and the media on this team. I'm just not confident that they're going to survive it. Well, I'm kind of interested on Chris on his perspective. Like, you know, you're not as around this as some of us are, and it's a different perspective. You know, you see all kinds of angles on this. What do they have left? They've got six, six series left, right? One, one trip around the league left. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. They're going to get into the tourney, right? I mean, I know we don't assume anything, but they're going to get into the tourney. If they go 500 the rest of the way, I think they're on the bubble and they're going to have to win the big 10 tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're dropping games to Penn state and Wisconsin, that's going to put you down on the pairwise. Here's the hook. I mean, Michigan's losing what five guys 
four guys to the Olympics. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Gophers are losing three. Um, that's that's going to hurt. Obviously, I'm not breaking any news by yeah, saying it, that. It's going to make the Big Ten race very interesting. That's what I mean. So, yeah, you got Michigan coming. Michigan, I've said, I got yelled at by somebody, probably somebody that's in the chat here after the draft <laughs> saying how good this Michigan team is going to be. I think they've underachieved too. I don't think they've been mm-hmm. as good as they probably should be this year. Um, I think the Gophers should, should even with what they're missing, be, you know, you're not going to miss anybody. When do those guys leave? Those guys leave the end of the month, right? End of the month. So they'll, they'll play the next four games. So the Michigan, Michigan Notre Dame, yeah. and then they'll miss Michigan state, Ohio state and Penn state. They'll miss well, those six games. So, they might be back for Wisconsin if they, you know, escape COVID. I assume Brock Faber will now that he's already recovered from it. So Ohio State's going to be a huge. I mean, granted, we're projecting here two. Ohio State's going to be pretty big because that could right. be, you mm-hmm. know, one of these. But I'll go on the assumption that I think that they're even if they can weather the storm with with the three guys out. I think they're a tourney team. And how many times have we seen? I, I hate being the guy whose life depends on sports saying, just get into the tournament and see what happens. But how many times have we seen it both ways? Um, you know, you would be by yep, and, zero zero one. And then again, I hate doing it this way, but then the Gophers as a top team, just get in, just get in. Don't project forward. Just worry about these next 12 games. See how they go. If they go in the tank, if we're at the Ohio state series, and we're talking about, they have five must win games left then things have gone seriously wrong. But I, I I still think that they're an NCAA tournament team. Now, I'm also the guy that after week 11 said the Vikings were a playoff team, so maybe I should just show <laughs> Maybe you haven't been here long enough. I I don't know. I just Oh, I have. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> I was at the 99 NFC Championship game. Uh, no, I've, oh, I, I've seen it. Um, that, okay, I'll just say that game was kind of the end of my ultra fandom for the Vikings. It'll take it out of you. A loss like I that mean, will take it out I, of you. I was so disappointed. And then and then literally that got amplified two years later when they got 41 donut. And so yep. when it came to losing that NFC championship when far through the interception, I wasn't upset. Yes, you were. And no, I, I really wasn't. I find myself not watching the games as much. And sometimes if I do, I kind of Boy, you just get a couple well, of tweets, couple of tweets well, going, stick to football. I'm like, it's just so easy to get them going. So I, I, I'll just say that it, it's been a lot tougher to be a Vikings fan when you've lived here all your life. Vings, is it tougher for you? I mean, I was at that game against the Falcons too. Ugh. And I just remember Robert Smith needs to stay in bounds. Robert Smith needs to stay in bounds. And I remember seeing all the defensive players for the Vikings going down in that game and on the sidelines getting treatment. I'm like, they need to win this game as soon as they can. They need to like finish this. And when they missed that longer field goal, it was just crushing. And uh, I, I still follow them, but I, I don't know. I think covering sports, you get a little less invested in the outcomes and more invested in the stories of the players and things like that. Um, But it's still hard to watch. I would agree. Cause you know, I would say, Chris, you know, you're out of the Washington market, but boy, it's probably a lot easier for you that you are are not because you can really kind of get behind your capitals. Like you did a couple of years back when they won the cup. Well, I was going to say, remember before that, 
and the Nationals and the, the Mystics. We hadn't won anything since the early 90s either. So yeah. I have a wonderful dual hometown that had gone a combined 60-something years without winning anything. Um, yep. You're right, though. The last one here, didn't they? Yep. Yep. I, I don't know what it would be like to do – you know, most of the people in the local media are from here. Um, it would be weird covering teams I grew up rooting for. Um, I, I've never really thought about that. I, I guess that's – because you can't shake – you know, everybody said, well, you're not a fan and you're not when you're doing your job, you're not a fan. Exactly. Um, I tell people say though, do you want the local teams to win? Of course we do. More yeah. people will be watching what we're mm-hmm. doing if the teams are winning and relevant than if they're not. So of course mm-hmm. we want them to win. It's just a different motivation, but uh, people, I, I, I've never thought about that. It would be very different if I, you know, say right out of college, you know, hardly removed from being a childhood sports lunatic these teams if i had to jump in and cover them that would have been a very different experience for me i never really thought about that i mean vegs for me i mean i used to be able to sit down on a friday or saturday night watch it on tv and i would yell and cheer and score i i find myself not doing that as much anymore because you know we've been covering the team for 15 years at the Mm -hmm. arena meeting the players meeting the coaches it is kind of a a different deal when you're meeting the team that you love the most and that you've that's your deal. Yeah. And, and, you know, interest in the Gophers goes up and down a little it bit. Does. So it, it is more it fun when they're doing really well and, you know, spending the time at the availabilities that I can and at the games I can asking questions that I, I think fans want to get answers to. And I think fans want to hear what the coach is going to do about the Walker line. I think fans want to know what's going to happen with the goalie position moving forward. And you know, you just try to learn what are the ways to ask those questions that are going to get a real response from a coach rather than, so are you thinking about making a goalie change? You think about benching your starting quarterback? How mad are you with Walker? You know, those you questions are not particular person. Come on. No, just, just does fine. He sometimes gets a little <laughs> pointed with his questions. Chris, we have a long thing going on with Jess and, and Bob and some of the questions he asks. Sometimes Jess gets a little quick on the trigger. <laughs> and one know. of my favorite things that avails is when Jess went to the question and you just see the Bob reaction, the, <sighs> and he just waits and I'm always standing over on Jess's side and I'm kind of like, um, well, 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 hold on. Yeah. Well, it's like that iPhone commercial where it focuses in on Jess and you go into the blur. What if I am like, last week, but I still have this queued up from last week. Uh, a Motsko reaction to a uh, Jess question. I wish there was one less mistake tonight that we weren't talking about right now. Can you give us anything on Walker injury, no, disciplinary, anything like that? Uh-huh. Just curious. You're you crazy. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so That's we're the look. I just did that. I just went. That's a hard time. And he's a great sport about it. And Jess is an amazing not just college hockey reporter, he's an amazing reporter who did it yeah, as bro. a side gig for a billion years. Uh, mm-hmm. He and Bob go way back. So they have a relationship that a lot of us don't. He has a relationship with Bob that a lot of us don't. Yeah, we just, we have fun with it because, you know, sometimes Jess gets a little blunt there. And then every, uh, he looks every, at Vigo and says, are you crazy? <laughs> every beat has usually one 
that will be. Well, look what happened in Edmonton just was it yesterday? The dry cycle. Oh, that was a whole month. Well, goodness, that guy, from what I understand, is a jerk. Like that wasn't just you know a, a blunt. What do you line mean? Of He's a Hall of Fame guy. Like, there's one thing to be a blunt line of questioning where you just you ask a question that has to be asked. There's another one where you're doing it just so people hear you doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Vikings reporter in town that takes a lot of heat for the way he asks some questions. I don't think that they're necessarily unfair or blunt. It's just how he phrases his questions. That dude, Bob, is that a Bob in Edmonton? Is that the guy's name? No, I don't recall. The guy interviewing Dreisaitl was clearly wanted to let his readers, viewers. Why are you so pissy? Why are you so? Right, right. <laughs> wow. Right. See, that's why we like and, our Viggs here. Viggs, you're always pretty delicate and kind of get around. But, he, but if he said it, there, there is there is a way to ask. Yeah, there is. There's a way yeah. to ask any question. Well, let's talk about this week, guys. Um, Viggs, we can have total redemption. Minnesota sweeps this weekend and everything's fixed. Everything's great. Not sure that'll happen, but uh, boy, this this series has been anticipated for a long time, and I hopefully we get to see what we want to see. Well, I think without, <laughs> I think without Jack, the series does change a little bit. Yeah, I think Jack Lafontaine playing his old team in his last you know regular season game against them, there was a lot going into that. I think it's still going to be a very, very good game. But now we just have that big question mark in goal. And, and that kind of changes the perspective on how I expect the weekend to be played. I think if Minnesota comes in playing a high-flying game like we're all we're going to expect in this series, you got something else coming. I think the coaches are going to be on this team about playing responsible all week. Now, the big question in my mind do they actually do that? Because as I said in the first half of the show, there's clearly a group of players who are not listening to the coaching. And for all the fans out there who think that this is all Bob's fault, that he's not taking control of this team right, maybe, but he's coaching them to do the right thing. I just don't see the players executing on the ice. And so that's the the, the problem for me. What do you guys set if you're setting the line? What's the over under for total goals, both teams, both games through the weekend? Because I think it's going to be like 20. <laughs> really? I if if it is, Minnesota will not be on top because I think it all comes back to like you said, Viggs. We get close in goal. It's not quite the same as Maybe. Jack LaFontaine. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Maybe. Um it's going to come back to that team defense. How well does the team defend against Michigan is the key to the weekend for me. Yeah. I mean, three weeks ago, if you asked me what the over under for this series would have been, I would have said 15, maybe 15 and a half. Like I think you'd get some high scoring games. I don't think you're going to see that this weekend unless it's like six, one. And that's like six, one Michigan winning. You know, I think that's the only way you get a high goal scoring weekend. I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to do that with what they're being tasked with this weekend. But man, you watch Michigan play and you see the highlights. Holy smokes, are they skilled? So yeah, we've talent. seen Minnesota at times play defensive layers. 
I think that's the only way they can win this weekend. So I'll throw this one at you, Chris. How does Bob fix the power play? <laughs> it's so strange because it's well, exactly. it's both it's both team it's both teams in town too. The Wild have been asking that same question all season as well. Um, the power play at any level, whether it was when, when you guys played as Rubes or what, anyway, it just it comes and it goes, and it's not always as broken as it may look as long as you're getting pucks on the net. Now I'm not a big advanced stat guy. I don't, it's not that I don't believe in it. I just don't, I don't understand exactly what Corsi and Fenwick are telling me, but I, I, I understand what they mean. I'm, I'm not making any sense. Yeah. I think you just, with a power play, it's just cycle, cycle and generate shots. That's it, right? That's all you gotta but, do. It's easy. Cycle and generate but, but shots. Leagues, that is true. But this is where maybe uh, I know you've been a little frustrated this year. Like, you know, maybe it's he shouldn't be his first power play unit should actually be the second power play unit. Uh, you've mentioned that quite a few times this year. And I think we saw that more as, as the year has gone on. I think that Myers group gets the first shot as, as long as they weren't the line out there previously, that's gassed. They are getting the first shot most times. And I think a big reason for that is how much better Myers is on the faceoff dot than anybody else right now. I think Jackson Nelson was maybe their number two center for draws. And after that, you know, it gets, gets nerdy for this team. Like is Jack Perbix going to have to be one of the guys that takes key draws for this team going forward. That's it not a could, solution. It could be. I, I mean, the wild did that with Miko Koivu at the end of his career. Cause they, they needed a guy who could win the draw because that's such an important part of special teams is finding guys who can do that. <laughs> And it's killed them this year, Viggs. It literally has. How many times in the offensive? It, the first offensive faceoff on a penalty. I want to say they lose seventy-five percent of those damn penalties. If it's not Myers, that's about right. Well, then they need to borrow a move from my second sport, lacrosse. There is a position in lacrosse that is referred to as fogo, faceoff, get off. There are guys who will be on scholarship and Division One teams who will go out there, they will win a faceoff, and run off the field and stuff out for a midfielder. <laughs> Try it. Why not do it? Power plays a fogo, a hockey fogo. You know, it would work in the second period probably fairly well. <laughs> yeah, win it clean, get the heck off. I mean, we've kind of seen or, that sometimes with Notre Dame. Notre Dame will sometimes have a center who is so good that Jeff Jackson basically has him take eighty percent of the draws in a game, and he is he is a fogo. <laughs> gets, he gets on, he wins the draw, gets off. Yeah, there you go. I, I do think that's something they need to figure out and just like tell Myers, Hey, figure it out. You're going to be taking a lot of draws. Other teams have done that. Well, and obviously go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Obviously conversely. I mean, I I think you might, that might be more likely for a PK situation where, you know, if you're winning draws consistently on a penalty kill, it's probably going to help you more than, well, I don't know. I guess it's 50. Yeah. Go ahead. Never mind. Save me for myself. (laughs) I just logic to myself right now. you're, You're not wrong though. You know, you know, earlier this year we had some kind of a little more stats on faceoffs. That I don't know if we're still getting those every game, but you saw some interesting stats that we yeah. don't get. the The new stat system for NCAA hockey has a lot more interesting information that you can pull out of it. It's just how it's distributed is not as easy as it used to be, and so all the things that rely on the stat program from the the college hockey stats dot net guy 
you know, that's all gone away. So this new system has some different things to it, but it's just not clean enough to get information out of. So we're looking at the stat sheets after the game and it does divide draws up by power play, penalty kill, even strength, etc. So you should be able to get that out of there. And I bet the teams know. Yeah. Because, you know, we would, would say that for years that, you know, sure, they might be 50-50 on faceoffs, but what are they on faceoffs in the offensive zone on the power play? In the defensive zone on the penalty kill? I mean, wh- where are they on the important? I remember the Wooger used to talk a lot about, yeah, you're running faceoffs, but, but there are key times of the game where you need to win a faceoff, and you're not. I, I remember Wooger always used to harp on that on TV. It's like a different category. There should be like a Corsi close for faceoffs. <laughs> like you should be able to just like draw yeah, we, some yeah. analytics for when is a key face off and just track right. those. Yeah. Like da- up a goal or two in the final four minutes, defensive end face off. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really when you need to win one. You don't need to win one after an offsides all the time. Who cares? Right. But right. I, what are your I, thoughts I, on this weekend, Viggs? I mean, it's so hard to predict anything because you know, they're going to play good one night. You just know it. They're going to go out and blow them out. One night, I think they're going to play pretty well. I'm I'm not as concerned with the Myers power play group as everybody is. You know, I think they got 15 shots on their chances on the man advantage on Saturday. Like they were getting pucks to the net. We saw Nyes and Lucius doing jam plays around the goal. I think if they do that against Michigan, they're going to be okay. I think what Alaska is really trying to do is trying to take away those shots around the dots which is, I think, a spot where Minnesota has been really dangerous this year on the power play. You know, Motsko talks about, you know, these these kills, they get a lot of film on you, and they start to figure out what you like to do. You got to do something different. And so I think Minnesota just has to figure out how can they generate offense from below the goal line a little bit more, and how can they maybe get some offense from their point player. So Jackson Lacombe, Mike Kester, they got to figure out ways to get pucks on net through traffic. I think if they can do those two things, the power play will be okay. This weekend, though, I I hate to say it, but I I feel like Michigan could come in here and get six points. It just it just feels like that to me. It it just does. I don't know if I've got that energy. Like we've we've talked in the past, we talked with Jack Ramsey about this, where you have locker rooms where it just gets kind of clicky and separate, mm. and. And I don't know if that's how it is because because we're not in there, but it just it doesn't have that good good feel that you saw, especially like with the Duluth teams that that did well in the Frozen Four. You could just tell in the press conferences how guys talked about each other and how they talked about dealing with adversity that they were legit ready to battle it. Here it's a lot of the same verbiage. Like Jack Perbix talking the other day, he's like, "Yeah, we know what we're supposed to do. We know." Oh, that's frustrating. That's frustrating. That's Chris, will you, why don't you just have Channel 5 come down for a live shot Saturday here? night? Oh, they may hear. I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, come down for a live shot Saturday night. See I promise you. Someday I do hope to have the, the, the Sunday to Thursday job. If that happens, I might buy season tickets. It kills me that I'm always hey, seven I, blocks away. And I know some guys. To the anchor desk. I know some guys. Maybe take Joe Schmidt out. You <laughs> never know. We got guys. <laughs> I mean, when it rumored that that was a suggestion. <laughs> we need a hockey guy as a lead sports guy in town. We just don't have that. What's the deal? I'm trying to think. Oh, over the time I've been around, 
you know, we've had Dave Schwartz on this podcast. He's a hockey guy, but you know, big time. Yeah. Yeah. He actually played a decent level of juniors too. So he's got me covered there too. Media game. I keep saying the wild threatened to have one last year and I COVID blew it up, but I, I keep saying it'd be fun. I don't I don't think we have any goalies though. Deutsch is a goalie. Deutsch is a goalie. Like I said, I don't think we have any goalies. <laughs> Wally Shaver's a goalie. He still plays. That would well, work. That would be fun. Gorg. We get Kevin Gorg. Oh, Gorg. Shaver and Gorg with Deutsch there just in case of emergencies. I yeah, like he do he do the towel in the jersey and just sit on the bench. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eat some bicep pastrami from Northern Waters. I mean it'd work, be great. Work the door. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need more hockey guys in town, but that's why we like Kevin Young, because you're a hockey guy. And I'm not from here. I'm not even one of you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're a hockey guy. <laughs> I, you're, tell you're, you're, a, you're a smart ass just like the rest of I, us. Now that I am. That I definitely <laughs> am. Yes. Oh, boy. Well, Biggs, I cannot pick six points for Michigan. I just I, – that would just be bad. But I'm thinking at least a split. Three points for each team. We're going, you know, and they'll have to catch them when Michigan, you know, loses a lot of their guys in, in uh, February. And Minnesota maybe will play a little better than Michigan will with their guys out. I'm just trying to stay optimistic, Viggs. It's tough. I'm sorry to bring you down like I've done this week. It's not my intention. I just... It'll feel so much better if they do have success this weekend. Because I'm, I, I was expecting six, you know, a sweep of Alaska in a big series this weekend, and seeing kind of how that stuff is creeping back in the game and how they're responding to it, I just worry it's not something you can just push aside and move on from. Like this is something you have to address because it's something that pops up all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, if this was the first time something like this had happened, I wouldn't be as worried. But when it comes around like this and and you have this February coming where you're going to be short, it's hard. It's like sometimes you might have to tell your artist that, yes, I know I need you to paint the frescoes, but I need you to do it faster and make less mistakes. And and Chris, really, the big thing is kind of what Vigo has talked about. If that senior leadership steps up, this could be a really good team. but. If they don't, it's going to be a crash and burn. I I think I, the, the fear you have with Michigan is if and you got to play defense, but I don't think you want to try and win a street fight against Michigan the yeah. way they can play. I think if you try to turn it into a, a muck and grind chippy affair, I don't think that's a great idea. I mean, we kind of saw that happen Saturday to a degree. Um, so I think they've got to play de- <laughs> If there's a way to play defense without making the game overly physical, I know that's a complete oxymoron but find a way to play defense with your feet not with your body um because i think if you start trying to make it a physical yes. game i think i think you're in for a long weekend and, and I, really makes what you know one thing minnesota did do last team time against michigan is they played well on the penalty kill i believe mm-hmm. Michigan oh for the weekend uh, they're gonna need to do that again i just want to go on record i'm not saying that they need to muck and grind it what I'm saying is they need to be smart with the puck. Yes. When this team doesn't have the puck, for the most part, they're usually pretty good. Like they don't spend a lot of time in their defensive zone defending. 
Mm-hmm. They're usually pretty quick. Their defensemen are so talented. They can erase plays pretty quickly. They get caught in transition. They get caught taking bad penalties. Those are the things that give away the game, and that's where their focus needs to be. And just don't give those mistakes away, and it's going to be a fine weekend. I, I think they are totally fine with their structure and their defensive zone, and maybe a team like Michigan you know, engages their brain enough where they don't play poorly. Because they have seemed to play some of their best games against Michigan. I just yeah, don't they, they see do, but sure. again. That's true. And, and the thing is, Chris, you know, they could come away with and sweep Michigan. And we're just, we just don't know. They they clearly have the talent to sweep well, Michigan. They do. If they do, and then I see the, the quote here. I, I forgot. I'm just looking at the standings. I hadn't even done the math that they do have two games at hand. If they do sweep, yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do have two games in hand. That if, if Minnesota sweeps, they're in really good shape in in the Big Ten. In everything. Although, going to the True. league's theory, the good wins don't help you. <laughs> well, a win against that, Michigan would help that, a little. That but it's two, not going to – Two good wins. I don't think it puts them over eight, though. I, I think it mm-hmm. just kind of – I think you're right. You yeah. know, maybe get some back to eight. Sweeping Michigan would offset the loss to Alaska. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't have two good wins, and that's just it. Viggs, you picked them, you know, you picked Michigan to get six points, but would you be shocked if Minnesota came out with six points? I don't think you would be shocked if you're asking me to bet one or the other. Oh, maybe Viggs, they got to prove it to you. It looks like Viggs, you got that look on your face, like they need to prove it to you, don't they? If I had to bet one team to sweep, it would be Michigan, yeah. There you I mean, go. The more Gophers. likely outcome is a draw, but Michigan there you Gophers. go, Gophers. Write that on your board. Vegs point. Get, yeah, get mad. Vegs calls sweep. Just big letters. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Wonder if you know. And I would be more than happy to come in there next Wednesday or whenever they do availability and have it. Yep, have them pick pick me. Pick me as the. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. We're going to have to have you on again sometime. We appreciate it. Anytime. Happy to. And like I said, remember, once the sun sets on the Vikings, I become a hockey guy again. Well, you're always a hockey guy. At heart, yes. Yeah, you are. Um, But we really appreciate you coming on. And he's going to stay for a little bit overtime here, folks. So that's all good. Viggs, you mentioned the stuff you were working on. You want to talk about that just a little bit again? Yep, I, I did do the homework on the clips for, for Walker and McLaughlin. You'll see them on GPL tomorrow. Very, very interesting. Um, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. We'll be back next week with our guests making a second appearance, Mr. John King. It was fun last time, and, and we'll recap this Michigan series. Hopefully it goes well. And then we'll preview the series uh, at Notre Dame. Um, for the rest of you uh, – We'll see you next week, and uh, hopefully it's a it's a good week. <laughs>